folks. Welcome to another edition of the CIC cast. I am Joel Cookson, and we are happy you have decided to spend a little time with us talking about some Connecticut high school sports. So thank you very much for joining us. This edition of the CIC cast, we're going to be talking a lot of Connecticut high school football. The championships took place this past weekend, wrapping up uh, a whirlwind two weeks of, uh, of the postseason. So for those of you who are uh, fans of Connecticut high school football, this is going to be a, uh, a big buffet of conversation. For those of you who are not fans of Connecticut high school football, uh, you may want to just push uh, stop on this one and check back in with us again in a few weeks when we come back with another edition because we're going to be very football-centric this time around as the championships wrapped up this past Saturday. So with that said, we're going to have uh, a bunch of great guests with us this week, going to cover the, the state championships from all angles. We're going to have Tom Yance from the Hartford Current, Sean Patrick Boley from the New Haven Register, Kyle Brennan from the Waterbury Republican American, Scott Erickson from the Stamford Advocate, uh, who else do we going to have with us? Uh, Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com and uh, who am I forgetting? Ned Griffin of the New London Day. All going to join us uh, for a good conversation about Connecticut high school football. So uh, we're going to have all of those gentlemen with us. And I don't think I'm even going to bother with any of my little interludes in between the conversations. So once we get to the interviews, we're just going to roll through them all, I think, and uh, and just give you a big, big plate of Connecticut high school football to uh, to digest as we head now into the winter season, which, believe it or not, has uh, has started already. Girls uh, high school basketball kicked off on Monday. Those teams and uh, the boys will be following uh, shortly. Boys swimming, of course, wrestling, ice hockey, all getting underway now in the coming uh, days and weeks. So we're, we're very quickly into winter sports. We will be talking about winter sports coming up. Don't you worry. Uh, we, we just wanted to, uh, to give the football championships their due here on this edition of the CIC cast before it got too far into our rearview mirror. Uh, before we get to our panel of experts here, want to, uh, as always, give a shout out to our friends from the Connecticut Department of uh, Transportation and their message about sending or receiving a text, which, uh, if you weren't aware, it takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.6 seconds, which if you're going at 55 miles per hour, that's the equivalent of driving the length of an entire football field, as we speak about football fields, without looking or blind. That's not a good idea at all. So please do not text or drive or drive distracted. Press play on the CIC cast and then put your phone away when you're in the car. Don't, uh, I know it's tempting. You hear that text message uh, tone come and you want to check out your phone. Wait until you get where you're going. Please, you're putting yourself at risk. You're putting other people at risk. Just do not do it. Keep the phone parked away. One text or call could wreck it all. That's the message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. So with uh, with that said, let's take a look quickly at things you might have missed at CICsports.com. All kinds of good stuff there. So let's see. I don't remember the last time we were with you here on the CIC cast, but we've got all kinds of championship things, whether you're talking fall championships, football championships, whatever it might be. Uh, oh, there was the last CIC cast, but lots of uh, football information. We've got a top 10 plays from the championships. We've got the championship headquarters, which has game stats, game stories, photos, uh, just about everything you can imagine. The NFHS Network broadcasts all four championship football games live. You can find the on-demand video to those as well on, C on the, uh, the championship headquarters. Download the championship football program if you want to uh, have a little keepsake uh, 
from the uh, the championships. So all kinds of good stuff there. And of course, as I mentioned, winter sports off and running. Take a look at Tournament Central. We've already uh, flipped over to the uh, to the winter sports. You can check out the tournament packets. You can see the rankings there already at Tournament Central. You can check out schedules for all of the winter sports on CICsports.com. So that's uh, that's what the things you can get. Lots of good things, as always, on CICsports.com and Tournament Central. Hope you'll check them out. With that said, uh, oh, also just follow us on Twitter, at CICsports. Uh, that's where we tweet out lots of good information. I was thinking about doing a little uh, championship trivia today. Let me see here. I got my note, but for those of you who... Uh, who are fans of the CIAC cast, you might know the answer to this. How many, uh, we had five teams uh, this fall, five teams that earned the program's first CIAC championship uh, in the fall season. So that's not too bad there. Uh, congratulations to those five teams. We're going to, uh, maybe we'll tweet out that trivia a little later. So those of you who listen to the CIAC cast will have the inside track on uh, on the trivia answer and, and get to feel smart and superior to all those who don't know the answer. So keep that in mind. Also follow uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Sports. We've been putting some stuff up there as well and thinking about maybe doing some Facebook Live kind of events to, uh, you know, to give you a little inside information from the CIAC, maybe some uh, uh, a glimpse inside tournament uh, committee rooms and things like that. Uh, these are all just uh, theoretical ideas I've got, but... You never know. You never know what might happen there at facebook.com slash Sports. So check us out there as well. And uh, with all that said, let's get into it. High school football championships this past weekend. Four games, four champions. Uh, was an exciting weekend of football, and we are going to cover it from all angles. We're going to talk to, as I said, uh, uh, a murderer's row of Connecticut high school football writers, Tom Yance, Sean Boley, Scott Erickson, Ned Griffin, Kyle Brennan, Dave Rudin, all going to be joining us now, and uh, we hope you enjoy a little Connecticut high school football championship talk. We're going to kick things off with Tom Yance of the Hartford Current. Chatting with our good friend Tom Yance of the Hartford Current, who always uh, does such a great job covering football and boys basketball and baseball throughout the season for the Current. So wanted to uh, get his perspective on what we just witnessed this past weekend at uh, Veterans Stadium in New Britain. Tom, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Joel. So you had uh, two of your sort of coverage teams in uh, in participating uh, on Saturday at uh, Veterans Stadium. Unfortunately for uh, for them, neither was able to come away with the victory. But curious, uh, starting with that Class S game, what sort of stood out to you? What was kind of the, the, the big takeaway from the Class S championship game? Well, two things about that game. One, um, the crowd was tremendous. Um, I, I don't know what the crowd was, but I thought there were at least 4,000 people there. And for a 10:30 game, that was outstanding. And probably, I mean, not probably, it was the most competitive, tightest, uh, most contested game of all four, the Class S, and uh, and Sonia won, and they were great. They scored 22 points in the last quarter to to beat a very good and -and up-and-coming Rocky Hill team. Uh, My other take on the Class L title game is uh, New Canaan is just absolutely outstanding, and you put them in a, in an historical context of, of how great that team is, beating a very good Windsor team, but also how great Coach Lou Marinelli is, who just tied uh, Eddie McCarthy for the most wins in, in state history. And so that's two pretty good, uh, pretty good pluses there uh, for Veterans Stadium in New Britain. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, you sort of, I was looking at it after the game, and you sort of knew, obviously, you wait to see how they're going to shake out, but the, you see some of the teams that won when you're looking at, you know, Ansonia with its 20th 
state championship and New Canaan now with its 12th, which is tied for the second most, and, and then Darien and Hillhouse themselves down at uh, – at West Haven, I'm just sort of curious for your perspective. Obviously, you've seen, you know, you've been covering these uh, these teams and and high school football in general for a long time. Uh, just sort of curious, you know, what you kind of see as, you know, what sort of has enabled these schools, you know, to kind of maintain this level of success and uh, and you know and whether you sort of see any any similarities, you know, what just kind of a broad view on sort of these teams that just are seem to perennially be in the mix, uh, you know, whether it's competing for a championship or, or winning a championship and, and maybe where they sort of match up against some of the other, you know, big dynasties that you've sort of seen in, in high school football. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, first of all, I, I maintain that each of these towns, and, and let's talk specifically about Darien, New Canaan, and Ansonia, consistent winners year after year. At the public school level, to, to maintain that type of consistency is, is very noteworthy. First of all, you have to have a great youth program. So players who, who walk on the Ansonia football field in the ninth grade have played football before mm-hmm. and have been well coached, and the same with Darien and New Canaan. And so the, you give credit to the youth coaches and the youth programs for, for being players come in and, and, and they're ready to go. So that's number one. Also, obviously, you have to have great coaches, great assistant coaching staffs, too. It's not just the head coach. Sure. It's your linebacker coach. It's your, uh, it's your running backs coach. It's your strength and conditioning coach. It's all of the above. So, um, you know, at the public school level, to, to keep your players in town, and, again, that's, that only means that, that maybe in some other towns, uh, players who are very good might opt to go to a a parochial school or a prep school or somewhere else. That does happen in some of these schools that I mentioned, in those towns that I mentioned, but uh, predominantly there's a pride there to play for a Darien, to play for New Canaan, to play for an Ansonia, Southington, or whatever, and those players tend to stay there. Um, those are some of my initial thoughts on, on the consistency of it. And obviously, hey, guess what? You've got to have good players. Sure. You know? <laughs> You've got to have players and uh, a lot of great players. Uh, make great coaches, and, and so you put all that mixed together, and uh, uh, this is what you come up with. Yeah, no, it uh, it does, and it seems like, you know, it's not that, uh, you know, and I think maybe it helps at the high school level as opposed to, you know, maybe professional, you know, you're bringing in new kids every year, so it's not like, you know, this one group of seniors or this one group of kids is gets, you know, kind of gets bored with all the winning, you know, you bring in a fresh new crop, and, and they haven't had their chance to uh to, to win a championship yet, so it's sort of uh, you get these kids who don't want to uh, don't want to sort of see that legacy uh, legacy let down. So Tom, just kind of ask for you know after championship weekend, just sort of any big takeaways from the season. Uh, you know whether it was players or, or, or teams, obviously that that stood out to you, or, or specific games. Just kind of anything that uh, that you're going to sort of uh, look back on at, at 2016 Connecticut high school football, and will be sort of the big takeaway for you. Well, I, I think we have to start off with Darien. I mean, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost a lot of their great, skilled players from their double L title team last year. And guess what? They went out and won it again. So Brian Peters, the uh, quote-unquote successor at quarterback, he was the backup, and, and he, he was outstanding. And, and really, I mean, what Darien did, also winning at New Canaan in overtime, th- those are two things that really stand out. Mm-hmm. You also have to really look at at, a, at, at sort of the uh, the upstart teams, the teams that, that no one really knew about, but all of a sudden have, have have you know stood up and said, "Hey, take a look at us." And I'm speaking of, of the Rocky Hill 
who played in their first title game and almost beat Ansonia. Yep. A team like uh, the Stafford Co-op up here in Northwest Connecticut mm-hmm. and never had been in the in the title in the playoffs at all. Yeah. And they reached the playoffs, and so those were always um, very nice stories, and not n- not nice just for the players, but nice for the town and the community and all the fans that you know go out there on Friday nights when it's like 20 degrees or. Heck, on opening night it was uh, 85 degrees and players <laughs> yeah. were passing out because of uh, uh, dehydration or, or cramping up. Uh, so you, it's great for those fans, too. So those are some of the things that stand out. Also, I mean, the field goal kicker at Middletown, uh, Mike Oresco, he booted a 52-yarder. And I saw him in person. I also did a story on him during the season. He can hit him from 60 yards, and he's only a junior. Yeah. Um, and I know the game that I watched uh, against Windsor, he kicked a 47-yarder, and it, had, it, it cleared the bar by uh, the crossbar by 10 yards. So he, those are the kind of individual uh, uh, skilled, one of the skilled players that, that, uh, that was very uh, memorable to me. Yeah, no, we were talking about that in the, in the press box, actually, at, uh, at New Britain, just what a, you know, what a sort of unique weapon that is in high school football to have a kid who's, uh, who's that reliable and that, uh, that capable. And as you said, seeing those new teams kind of, uh, kind of rise to the forefront, you never know. You know, at, uh, the, the New Canaan's and the Darien's and the, uh, the Ansonia's started somewhere. So maybe we'll start to see uh, you know, a new team kind of uh, put its stamp on things and start to challenge. So, Tom, we yeah. know you will, be, uh, you will be out there covering it, and uh, you get maybe a 45-minute break from football before it's time to turn your attention to boys' basketball. So we appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us and uh, and looking back on our championship weekend. So good luck with the winter season, and thanks, as always, for being with us. Thank you very much, Joel. My pleasure. Uh, we are on the phone with Sean Boley of the New Haven Register and Game Time CT, who does such an outstanding job uh, covering high school sports and, and high school football in particular. They were all over the uh, the championship weekend, and Sean was on hand in West Haven. Sean, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks a lot, Joel. Always good to talk to him. So we want to uh, want to start with a uh, you know a team that maybe we haven't talked as much about uh, with some of our various guests, just because it seems like their story may have gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit, but uh, starting with the Class M game, uh, which looked on paper like it was um, a pretty interesting matchup between St. Joe's and Hill House, and uh, the first half played out that way, and then the second half was all Hill House. So let's, uh, let's start there, Sean, and just sort of say what, uh, what flipped at halftime and what kind of jumped out as, as the difference in that Class M final. Well, I, asking uh, Coach Reggie Lytell um, what they changed it because it was yeah like you said they flipped the switch and he said they didn't change a lot they just kind of made sure their linebackers were in the right position to cover some of the guys and um, and they were fortunate to get a bunch of three and outs to start the second half and then they turned it over to their offense which picked up right where it left off basically in the first half yeah and you know and you had uh, Matt Breon running for. Uh, couple long ones. The first one set up a short touchdown, but then he ran for another long touchdown to put them up two scores, two touchdowns. And they were already, St. Joseph all of a sudden in crisis mode um, in the third quarter, and then they 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 have the botched punt, the punt that flew over the, the punter's head and was recovered by Hillhouse, and at that point you're like, well, I mean, that's, that's going to be it for, for St. Joe, and sure enough, um, David Harris, their other outstanding running back, um, did a little dance move. He kind of went around a few guys and 
dance out of a tackle and score a touchdown and put them up three scores, and that was all she wrote. And they just kind of turned it over to the defense uh, after that. St. Joe really just couldn't get anything going uh, offensively, and uh, and away we went. It was a great, great win for Illinois. I mean, this was a team that uh, no one really paid much attention to, you know, especially early in the season. They get kind of beat up by Fairfield Prep in an SEC interdivision game. And uh, but they just kept winning, and they were the best team in the SEC uh, lower divisions. And uh, they just kept winning and winning, and uh, they had outstanding players all season. And in Class M, it was they. It took them always, always took them a first half to kind of figure everything out, and then figure everything out, and then in the second half, it was all Breon and Davis, and even Chase Kinsey, their outstanding receiver, who seemed to contort and twist and move around and catch every ball that was thrown his way, he was outstanding and put he had a kickoff return touchdown uh, in the uh, in the first half that kind of uh, helped uh, Hillhouse respond to an early St. Joe score. So, um, you know, they took, took, took Hillhouse a little while, and they were, then they do what they always do in the second half, and that's just race away from teams using their speed and, and size and quickness, and it was a really impressive win by them. Yeah, no question. Uh, so you sort of, you you answered my uh, my second question a little bit, but I'll I'll ask it anyway and sort of say you know we I feel like we went uh, maybe it wasn't just my perception that maybe this Hill House team was a little bit overlooked all season. You know they they never seemed to be the the SEC team that people were talking about quite as much. You know you had sort of the double L uh, teams uh, that competed in the postseason and uh, and obviously the the Fairfield County team certainly uh, got a lot of attention and justifiably so. But uh, did did you have sort of a sense that this might be a, a championship caliber team from Hill House uh, throughout the year, or was this a little bit of a surprise for you? Um, I, I got the sense that once they got into Class M, I thought that they would be able to to uh, do some things. Uh, they were clearly the best team in the class. I mean, St. Joe was the only one you, you felt like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to go. St. Joe had been such a darling team um, coming out of the FCAC. And, you know, the, as everyone says, the, the FCAC had such a great postseason. Um, and, you know, just given the, who St. Joe had played and, and everything, uh, I thought St. Joe might be able to give them a, a little bit of a, a problem, and they did. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I thought I, I picked Hell House to win the game by at least two touchdowns. I was off by three, by one at least. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I didn't think St. Joe was just quite at that level yet. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll have to get overlooked a little bit. They don't play in SEC Division One, uh, which is you know filled with all the top teams and the preps, the the Cheshires, and then the you know the West Havens, Sheltons, and so on. Um, but you know they were a good small M team. They were a good M. They were an excellent M team, obviously. And it was really it was really nice to see, especially since. You know, given all the stuff that they had kind of gone through um, as a program over the last few years, I mean, they won the state title in 2012, and then Tom Dyer, their coach, goes to Hamden as the AD, and Reggie, his assistant, one of his assistants, takes over, and and uh, his first team, everyone kind of thought they would be back in the class uh, in the playoffs at least because they had one of the best running backs in the state, Harold Cooper, and and it just wasn't the case. They didn't have a great year to start. And, it took them a little while to kind of build themselves back up, and once that Reggie had his senior class this year kind of step up, they they really answered the call for him, and it was good for him. And you know, obviously, uh, one of their players uh, was shot uh, right before a game or the night before a game uh, in the early in the season, and, and Coach Lydell uh, went to you know this stayed all night in the hospital with them, and 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 the kids took a lot of pride in, in you know they were playing for their their, their teammates and. 
they were playing for their community and they were playing for the fact that they didn't have a field. And they, they just, overcoming obstacles was really Hill Hoss's mantra this year, and it's a really impressive and inspiring victory too. Yeah, no question. It really, and I know uh, if people haven't checked out uh, Coach Lydell's uh, post-game comments that uh, were recorded uh, by many of the, the the news outlets and and shown online, they should check those out as well. Really, a, an inspiring message, and yeah. uh, and as you said, a big-time win for you know a team. As you said, it's uh, it's not like 2012 is all that long ago, but they've got a pretty impressive uh, championship pedigree in football as well. So this is not a this is not some upstart program that's kind of come out of nowhere. No. So. Uh, you know they certainly no, have, uh, absolutely not. have their history as uh, as well. So uh, we'll we'll get you out of here and just sort of you know take a little bit more of a big picture look. And obviously uh, you're you're you know as plugged in as anybody to to the high school football season. I'm just kind of curious for your sort of uh, you know big picture takeaway from Connecticut high school football 2016. What was sort of the the big story or, or the thing that you're going to kind of uh, take away from the season? Well, man, uh, other than Hillhouse, it was pretty much uh, you know second birth, same as the first type of uh, type of season. It was like 2015 part two. I mean, yeah. yes, Ansonia won in Class S. They were really good last year as well. Um, but you know, like Darian Cannon, number one, number two again. They seem like they've elevated that whole league to their level. I mean, obviously, you have four uh, FCAC teams in the, in the finals, which everyone talks about. And the job Ridgefield did to get there to knock off West Haven and Schultz, and then, you know, so that was a tremendous amount of pride for, the, for their league. Although no one else won titles except Darian Nukan, they're going to have to go figure out a way to beat those two teams because yeah. they, they are just rolling right now. You know, it, 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 since Darian two titles and Nukan has won two titles, uh, it used to be that Nukan knocked off Darian in Class L. And it was just about you know whether who, if Darian could beat Buchanan there. Well, they don't have to anymore. So yeah. now they can go and win their own title. And they've already beaten them Buchanan on Thanksgiving uh, enough the last I think it's five straight years. So very curious to see how new, uh, the Blue Wave restocked this year. Obviously, they had a lot of hold. Had a lot, but they had some holdovers from last year's championship team who were really just outstanding players. They were so well coached. And uh, so they were able to repeat again. They're gonna. They were in our, our number one team. I think Nukanen might be gaining on them a little bit. Nukanen, uh, uh, despite the fact that it, it went twelve and one, they had a lot of young players, especially the quarterback being a freshman, and and uh, there were a few outstanding sophomores on that team as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, that'll be really interesting to, to, to look forward to. And uh, uh, everyone's basically chasing those two right now, especially in the upper two division. Yeah, no question. It, uh, as you said, sort of an interesting to, to play out the whole year and feel like we kind of ended up back where we uh, back where we were in 2015. Yeah. But uh, a lot happened along the way, and we hope folks uh, enjoyed uh, enjoyed the ride. So we uh, they uh, can certainly check out all the good stuff at Game Time CT and the New Haven Register that Sean Boley does in covering uh, high school sports and high school football. So Sean, we appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, back in touch with you uh, before too long. Starting to look ahead to uh, to 2017 high school football. Thanks for joining us. I I really appreciate it, Joel, and uh, yeah, we'll be right back out. I'm going to take a little break, you know, as we get into the winter season, but we'll be back with eventually come January. That's right. You can find Sean on the uh, the ski mountains of New England uh, in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, until then, we will uh, we will check in with you in the fall. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks, Sean. Very happy to have with us on the phone Scott Erickson of the Stanford Advocate. Going to offer a little bit of insight uh, into uh, our football championship weekend. He was on hand with me at uh, New Britain to watch the uh, the Class L final. So, Scott, thanks as always for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Joel. Glad to be here. Happy to uh, to chat a little bit about it. So you were on hand to uh, to see New Canaan's 35-20 victory over Windsor in the Class L Championship, a fourth straight title for the New Canaan Rams. So uh, starting off, I guess, just uh, specifically talking about that championship game against Windsor that maybe people were pegging as as maybe one of the, the ones that looked like a real toss-up going into the weekend. What sort of stood out to you as the key or the difference in the game that uh, was able to have New Canaan come away with the victory? Uh, there was two things. You know, first, going into the game, when I started looking at the rosters and looking at the teams and everything, the one thing that stood out to me was Windsor's biggest lineman was six foot two twenty five. New Canaan's smallest lineman was six foot two fifty, and right. then they had kids who were six five two seventy, six seven two eighty. You know, that makes a huge difference. Uh, and I thought that that would give them problems. And then when New Canaan came out and decided to run the entire game you could see that line just pounding and pounding. And by the end of the game, I was standing in the end zone. You could see some of those holes were just were, were massive. Yeah. You, know, you or I could have, could have picked up you know, five or ten <laughs> yards coming through those holes. Yeah. Um, and the Windsor kids, a lot of them play both ways on the line. So they're trying to block these monsters you know, on, when they're on offense, and then when they're on defense trying to you know, get past them. It's just they really, really got worn down by that line. Uh, New Canaan runs very good schemes, and New Canaan, who's known for throwing, threw the ball 13 times, I think, in the game, yeah. and really committed to the run. Graham Braden had 190 yards, O'Connell picked up a bunch of yards. Um, so that was one thing, and that, that was something I thought New Canaan had a huge advantage coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they did on defense in the second half was remarkable. Yeah. Um, Gardner had 100 yards at halftime, and he finished with, I think, 108 or something like that. Chris Silvestri, the defensive coordinator there, has done this all year. When they played Darien this year, Darien didn't score an offensive touchdown in the second half of that game right. and allowed Duquesne to come back from whatever it was. And in the second half, Windsor it looked like a different team, and they didn't look like the team they had been all season. And that was because of the Duquesne defense. I mean, they really bottled up Gardner. Uh, Ryan O'Connell did a great job on uh, Pinnock, who's, a, who's an excellent receiver. Those kids are, are really good athletes. Yeah. Obviously, they're both going to B.C., play football they're division one athletes and they were completely held in check in the second half um so i'd say the two stories from Duquesne were the the offensive line dominance uh their defensive line being able to get in and just the entire defense what they did in the second half was was remarkable for you know to hold a team that was averaging i think 35 something points a game to just the one score in the second half yeah no really uh seemed to to flip things around it and really just take control in that uh the final 24 minutes as you said now uh you know sort of looking at it and, and i it was interesting i i was thinking about this before i i got on the phone with you and you know sort of thinking what what angles and what things we could talk about with uh with another new canaan championship and you know you look at it and of the four champions this weekend, New Canaan was the one that that played probably the tightest games. You know, throughout the the three rounds of the tournament, they they played a tough uh, Massac team in the opening round uh, in the quarterfinals and were able to come away with an arrow win and then were pushed as well in the semifinals against Notre Dame West Haven. I'm just curious from your perspective, and I'm not sure if you were on hand for all of those games or not, but uh, you know, what was it about this New Canaan team that was able to sort of uh, you know weather the the adversity and, and come through in these uh, in these tighter games, you know, they were able to, as I said, play play some of the more competitive uh, games all the way through the tournament, but uh, always seemed to be able to, to come through, and it's sort of been the staple the last few years in the tournaments as well. Yeah, the, they have a calm about them. I, and I, I guess that comes down from their coaching, I'm not sure, but, 
they started a freshman quarterback these playoffs, and mm-hmm. you saw that kid playing. He's extremely calm back there. Yeah. All their kids, they never panic. You know, when, when Windsor takes that ball down to the five-yard line in the opening drive, the New Canaan kids were, were relaxed and loose, and, and you know, they, they held them right there, and it was a huge stop. Um, there just seems to be a calm about them. Now, I'll say that coming off the Darien game, going in to play Massick, they were as flat as anyone's ever seen them. And that's yeah. a hard turnaround to play sure. a, a, just an emotional, physically draining game and then come back and play a state game. Notre Dame West Haven played really well. Yeah. Uh, and Nico Ragiani is probably the best player I've seen in the state this year. He is so good. He returned a punt for a touchdown. He was all over the place on defense and offense. Um, but again, one of the things also is New Canaan has different guys on offense and defense. Some kids play both ways. But Notre Dame West Haven was another team. All their linemen were playing both ways. And by the end of the fourth quarter, it wears you down. Yeah. So when you have a lot of kids come out for a team, and a lot of, you can fill positions with kids who are just going to play offense or just going to play defense, in those tight games and in those final minutes, that makes a really big difference as to who's physically beaten down and, and, and who's not. Yeah, no question that uh, it's certainly an advantage. Um, obviously, was a, a historic win in a lot of ways for uh, for the Rams. Their twelfth championship, twelfth uh, title for for Coach Lou Marinelli, and uh, which now ties them for for second uh, for the most state championships, and also uh, you know a victory that now ties uh, Coach Marinelli with uh, Ed McCarthy for most victories overall as a uh, Connecticut coach, and going out on a limb and saying he may get that record uh, to himself next year if he's uh, still on the sideline. So just curious. You know, obviously, you've you've covered him a fair amount and, and seen a lot of success for New Canaan. Um, you know, what what is it that he does that has made him so successful from your perspective? What do you think that has sort of been the you know that that makes him such a good coach? Um, you know, he loves his players. A lot of coaches love their players, especially football coaches. They have a great relationship. I think what Lou does as well as any coach in the league is he trusts his assistants, he trusts his defensive coordinator, he trusts his offensive coordinator. He trusts the guys who are coaching the kids on the line mm-hmm. to do their jobs and to teach those kids the right way. And Lou's attitude kind of trickles down to those guys. But being able to trust those guys and then just you just do your head coaching duties and you're not worried about the, the little things that the technical coaches are doing, right. I think that's a huge part of it. And Lou's developed a, you know, a family atmosphere over there with, like I said, Chris Silvestri played for Lou, mm-hmm. and now he's on the staff. They have other guys on the staff that played for him or came up through him. Um, and Lou just has a personality. I mean, I, I'm sure you've met him. He just has a personality that's very infectious. Yeah. And I think that rubs off on the kids, and, he, and he's very friendly and joking with the kids. If you see him in the school, you know, he sees one of his kids, he's, you know, he's saying something funny to them. He really puts them at ease. And then when he has to be, he's a tough football coach sure. who gets in there. But, you know, those guys... And again, this happens at a lot of schools, but they they all you know they laugh, they cry, and after they're done, you know these kids invite Lou to their weddings and their christenings and all that stuff. And yeah. everyone always says it's a family atmosphere, but at New Canaan, it, it really is. Not that it's not at other schools, but I think the combination of all those things has made Lou really successful. But the number one thing I think that 
separates them is the ability just to let his assistant co- hire good people and then let them do their jobs. Sure. No, that's uh, that certainly is, uh, and you know, I think probably empowers those folks to to work even harder for him. Uh, you know, to know that he's not going to be uh, micromanaging what they're doing and uh, and trusting them. So, um, absolutely, yeah. You know, we've we've talked about this. I've had several guests on, and and it's sort of uh, you wrote a piece before the the championship weekend, kind of uh, that this was in many ways the the football season. Uh, for the FCAC and the several uh, polls coming out over the, the past couple days and the, the FCAC schools ranking in the top three, at least in the New Haven Register poll, um, obviously didn't come away with three championships over the weekend. Hill House uh, comes away with the Class M championship, but sort of asking this question to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways, um, but sort of just curious for your perspective on it is, you know, what? how would you sort of explain this, uh, you know, even – even for a league that uh, you know has enjoyed historical success, this sort of unprecedented run of success, maybe that they're on right now. How, if you were to offer some sort of explanation, what, uh, where would you come come down on in, in trying to trying to describe and explain uh, this run that they're on over the past couple of years? Um, you know, yeah, Richfield got added into it this year, but Richfield has a really strong program. They've been up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously this year they had a lot of seniors were able to make a run. But St. Joe, Darien, New Canaan, I mean, start from the top. you got really good coaches, uh, traditions, you know, traditions that run deep in the towns where the little kids are at these games and, and they're watching. The middle school kids are there, and that's all they want to do is go up and be these kids, and they know what it takes to do it. Um, it, it it's, I, I don't know what separates them just from the SEC schools. You know, these things go in cycles. Sure, absolutely. You know, 2012, the SEC was in the same spot the FCX kind of in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Duquesne and Darien has just been so remarkable that they've been able to separate themselves so much from everybody else at this point. Yeah. You know, I mean, Darien has just rolled through double L. That's crazy. Like, they haven't even been challenged in the playoffs yeah. the last two years. I mean, not even, no one's even been close. Duquesne, um, like you said, has had some close games in L, but still to win four straight championships, to be in the championship, whatever it is, 11 of 12 years or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, it's, it's nutty, and it is, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. I think it's just a top-down thing, and then you have great youth programs that feed into these programs that the, that the high school coaches have taken the time and effort to put in lockstep with them. So when those kids get to the high school, they know the offensive calls, they know the defensive calls, they kind of know how things work, um, and that makes a big difference. You're not teaching kids new things from day one. Sure. Um, and for whatever reason, right now they're getting the better – Maybe not the better athletes, but just the, on a whole, more athletes at, at a time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and Canaan's thing is, you know, it's kind of luck. You know, you get a bunch of kids that are six five, two seventy five. You know, that it's going to bode well for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get a bunch of kids that come in and, and play quarterback really well. Although, again, that's a lot of that's taught too. Um, and Darianne has just been. God, I mean, that, what they've done is just so crazy to win 25 games in a row coming out of this league where you're playing good games. You're playing yeah. New Canaan every year. You're playing Greenwich every year. And then to go in and just take apart teams like Southington and Shelton and how uh, they played Greenwich again this year. And, and then Richfield, who had been playing as well as anyone in the state, and they just beaten West Haven and Shelton. And Darien didn't really have a problem with them. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I saw some highlights from that game, and they just – they kind of did what they wanted, which is sort of what they did all year, yeah. except in the second half against New Canaan. Um, so, I, I, again, I, I don't know the exact specifics of why it's happening right now, but coaching has a lot to do with it, and um, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, and it's you never know when you're sort of in the midst of something like this. You know, it's hard to analyze because you are in kind of in the middle of it. So it's hard to, you know, to look up and, and see, you know, if, is this just going to be, you know, if we reach kind of the, the peak and it's going to sort of, you know, start to, to go down in a different wave, uh, no pun intended, speaking of Darianne, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the just if, you know, if it's going to start to sort of cycle back around or if, you know, we're really in the midst of something that's going to be a, a long sustaining kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, in the middle well, of it, it's sort of hard Canaan, to see. I think you think that with New Canaan a lot, but this has been going on for uh, over a decade sure. now. Yep, absolutely. And you think after the first run with win four straight and they kind of have a few diners like okay things are going to normalize now but i mean look at I mean, they, like i said they had a freshman quarterback who's only going to get better yeah so what the, what are they going to be like the next three years yeah. you know i mean that that's kind of scary you know yeah. and darian only brought back six kids this year and didn't miss a beat yeah so i mean you think they're gonna it's going to normalize but in i mean in Canaan's case it hasn't at all yeah and Darianne's just gotten better and better, and, and I don't see them, as long as Trafone and Marinelli are still there doing what they're doing, it's hard to imagine them really dropping off that, that far. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they lose two games in the season. and the, <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's a drop-off right, for those exactly. guys right now, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, no, yeah it's, 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 remar- it's remarkable. It's yeah. remarkable. But it's been done by other schools and other conferences, so... It'll come back around. There's too many good teams in the SEC and the CCC for them for it not to swing back a little bit that way. Yeah, no question. But uh, it's been it's been interesting to watch, and I'm sure a lot of fun for uh, those folks down at, uh, at Darien and uh, New Canaan, and, and less fun for the people that have uh, been trying to beat them for the past couple of years. So we uh, and it keeps me busy through December, which is good. That's uh, true. It <laughs> ensures that uh, the the sports writers in Fairfield County do not get to enjoy their uh, their Thanksgiving weekend or uh, or anything uh, in in early December. So we. Uh, uh, but honestly, there's nowhere I'd rather be than up at you know either West Haven. Or New Britain for those finals and having teams that I get to cover in them is is a great reward. So for for me, it's it's worked out great, and for the guys down here, because you hate to miss those things cause, just because you don't have teams in them. You know what I mean? Like same reason you want a team to advance to Mohegan Sun for basketball because I want to go. <laughs> no question. <laughs> and no I want to cover it. I want to watch it. You know, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's a it's a it's a nice uh, culmination to the season. So Scott, we uh, we always enjoy getting a few minutes to chat with you, and uh, and I'm sure we will do so again as we uh, we steam full speed into the the winter sports season. Somehow is here already, so we uh, we will I'm sure talk to you again and uh, appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us. All right, thanks a lot, Joel. On the phone with us now, Kyle Brennan of the Waterbury Republican American. Just a day after a uh, a medical procedure, he has bounced back quickly and is with us on the podcast. Kyle, thanks for being with us. Yeah, apologize for the potentially uh, nasally voice, but maybe by this time next year I'll have a deep uh, baritone without a block sign of fashion's way. Awesome, that's even better. Then we'll just we'll bring you in to do all of our voiceovers for the podcast. Then That'll hey, there be you it. go. I can be the official voice. That's good. I like it. All right, so we're uh, we're going to talk to Kyle uh, mostly about the Class S uh, football championship, which took place at New Britain this past weekend, and Sonia rallying to uh, to get the best of Rocky Hill in a very competitive uh, Class S championship game. So, Kyle, let's kind of start with the game. Uh, you know, specifically. And what you sort of thought was the difference from your perspective in uh, in Ansonia able to come away with the victory? Yeah, terrific football game. We've been lucky uh, with the past three Class S finals that Ansonia's been a very competitive game. Going back to 2014 with Valley Regional, uh, coming down to the final seconds of that game. You know, I've been Bloomfield last year, uh, another game that swung, <coughs> pardon me, in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then this game, 
Antonio scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was uh, a second and third quarter of just defensive trading blows here and there. Um, you know, the difference in the game ended up being that Antonio's quarterback, Bryson Cafaro, really, really hit the key plays when he needed to. I mean, you don't generally look at a championship quarterback um, going 2 of 12 passing yeah. uh, and him being a star of the game. But, you know, he ran some key plays. I mean, he had a big bootleg run. Uh, I believe it was early in the fourth quarter to set up what uh, ended up being uh, a touchdown that made a 14 to 12. Mm-hmm. Then he ran for the go-ahead touchdown, uh, made a couple of big throws on two-point conversions, and just generally kept that team in the game. Um, that was actually the first game also that he had ever played defensively in a varsity game. He played every snap of linebacker. He recovered a fumble in the game. Yeah. Uh, had a good game punting. Uh, the kicker, I mean, he just did a little <laughs> bit of everything. So so just the general, uh, his play out there. Um, if you looked at one key play that swung the game, uh, Antonio made it 14-12, to 12, I think. Uh, missed the two-point conversion, and the ensuing kickoff was squibbed down the field. It wasn't even intended to be an onside kick. Uh, but it got through the back uh, back line of the Terriers, and, and the Chargers pounced on it, turned it right in for a score. And at that moment, it was like, oh, boy, uh, it looks like this might be going the Chargers' way here, and it did. Yeah, no no question that that, uh, that kick, as you said, not an intentional onside, but just awkward enough to uh, to cause some lots of problems for uh, for Rocky Hill. In, in sort of looking at it, what did you think, you know, did you – in talking to the coaches and looking at the game, feel like there were any adjustments that Ansonia made? You know, it was uh, really kind of put the clamps on that Rocky Hill uh, offense, you know, really, as you said, sort of in, starting even in the kind of midway through the second quarter other than a late Rocky Hill touchdown. Were there adjustments either offensively or defensively that Ansonia made that, uh, you know, that helped them sort of turn the game around in the fourth quarter or was it just kind of a little bit better execution? You know, I, I, I think Antonio played really well the entire game. It was, so that the early part of the score is blown uh, open by the fact that uh, Rocky Hill ran a gadget play. They ran a, a tailback pass that went deep down to the, inside the 15, and, and Rocky Hill punched that in for a touchdown. And mm-hmm. I think it was the first series. Yep. After that, I mean, it was it was little by little for Rocky Hill. They ended up getting those two touchdowns. One of them came in that last two minute drill sort of setting. Um, so it, it's not like Rocky Hill was able to really run over Antonio. The Chargers defense. As long as I've been watching him, always plays better in the second half of games for whatever reason that is. Um, it happened again the other day, but it's not like they played poorly in the first in the first half. Um, I just think that one big trick play sort of blew it open. Rocky Hill uh, rode the momentum in it for that. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Hill's defense played really really well for the first three quarters, and and uh, just that that onside kick gave the short field. Um, and they just Rocky Hill just wasn't able to recover from that one, but it was very, very well played and well coached from both sides. I thought. Yeah, no, absolutely. Probably the easily, I would say, the most competitive uh, game of the day of the four uh, yeah. four state championships. So we're we're back here. Uh, you know, off, uh, as you mentioned, the the last two uh, Class S championship games that didn't go Ansonia's way. Uh, but there, we're back here now with another uh, fall uh, season ending with an Ansonia football championship, their record uh, 20th. And you wrote a piece in the Republican American talking about how this may have been uh, Coach Tom Brockett's best coaching job. Uh, obviously, he was, hasn't been the coach for all 20 of these championships, but uh, has uh, does have several of them under his belt now. So just wanted to see, you know, what was it about this, uh, this particular season and this job by the Ansonia coaching staff that really – impressed you as they were able to earn that uh, that 20th title? 
Yeah, they came into the season, and you can never really paint Antonia as an underdog just based on his program history and what those coaches are able to do and, and just the, the culture of football there that always has those guys um, you know, with, with some really good players and kids who know how to play the right way. But they entered this season uh, you know, with only three returning starters on each side. I think it was a total of four or five players. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew they'd get better throughout the season and would probably be going to playoffs and, and maybe knocking on the door here. Um, but just the way that this team uh, got better at just about every position the entire year, you look at it and, and you just can't help but say, you know, this is it's just an incredible effort by Tom Brockett, uh, the head coach, Bob Alisi and John Sponheimer, both coached in their 30th state championship game the other day. And wow. just, we'll never see anything like that again. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way that they just keep doing their business and, and I asked Tom about it at the, the luncheon, the, the media luncheon that we did last week. I said, all right, wh- what is the secret, you know, in these practices it's just that, that help you guys go from point A to this extraordinary point B that even though you're in Sonia, even still I don't think a lot of people thought that they would end up here. Um, and he said, you know, practices, we keep them short. We're focused. He said, I don't believe in going half speed in anything. You know, if we're going to do it, we're not going to walk through. We're going to do it all the way. We're going to be intense about it and get it right, and you know maybe that's maybe that's not the common uh, theme across across the state, um, but he's clearly got got the formula for it, and and he got some guys this year who might have been role players at best, um, guys like Cody Tadosio, a linebacker, he's a junior. Chris Rowley's a senior uh, tight end, defensive end. You know, guys who just hadn't played before uh, really became solid players. He developed some really good sophomores, and of course. Now that offensive line, this is I think it's best in a couple of years the way that it just it pulled together. So, you know, you look at it and, and you're never really surprised to see Antonio in a championship. Right. But even even those players, a lot of the players talking to him, they were like, "Yeah, we were not sure that we were going to be here this year." Um, so, <laughs> having the fact that you can't usually call them an underdog and the fact that they won this title against a very good Rocky Hill team. Um, this is as good as I've seen, and, and this was uh, ten championship appearances in eleven seasons for Tom. So uh, just impressive all the way around. Yeah, no, there, there's no question. And it's interesting, you know, we've this a lot of this podcast has been talking about teams sort of in the in the midst of or sort of you know we're at whatever point of a you know a lengthy either championship run or winning streak or whatever it might be. And right. you sort of you look for the what the the answer might be, you know, the kind of magical. Uh, you know, the magical thing that they're doing that no one else in the state is doing that seems to have them, uh, you know, coming up with this success. Do you have any kind of sense of what it is, you know, that, that Ansonia does that, I mean, you talked about the practices, but, you know, just even on a bigger scale or a smaller scale, what the, what it is that they do that, uh, you know, so many teams I'm sure would love to be able to recreate or find a way to, to have this level of success. Do you have any kind of sense of, of, is it just, you know, the sort of the history of the program or the coaching or, or where would you kind of, Put uh, you know the percentage of uh, of the success that they're they're able to to maintain. Well, I think I think a solid percentage of it, you know, maybe almost half of it, has got to go again to that coaching staff. But that is, you know, Tom has been the head coach for eleven years, been with the program for something like fifteen something years. Mm-hmm. Um, but his assistants, I mean, Bob Lisi is the defensive coordinator, John Sponheimer is the freshman coach, and, and an offensive line. Those guys have been coaching at Antonia since the early seventies. <laughs> I mean, it's. That sort of consistency, um, there's something to be said about that. Sure. And 
and now you know they produce players who, whose kids then then produce players, and their youth program is totally in sync. Like they're running the same thing from the age, the kids that these are age eight all the way through high school, and there's this excitement and this expectation for the from the youth football program. Yeah, um, that you talk to kids who are in high school and they say, yeah, we know one day we're going to be there, and and then. It gets to kind of be surreal when they actually go get to play for a state championship. So, you know that that's a big part of it. And they don't. You know, Sony never tries to do anything fancy. They play football just this old school right way. They they play solid defense. They're one of the few teams that really just goes out there and, and makes tackles. Yeah. Uh, they focus on blocking on the offensive line. They they run the football. You know, they were never never feel any pressure to play in with the whole spread game or, or the you know. A, Whatever it may be, the, the new new fad. Yeah, uh, they just keep doing what they do, and they do it well. And uh, and you know, it, if they were in a different league, sure, it would be different. Um, they wouldn't run the table so often. I sure, think they'd still make the playoffs pretty often. But you know, they they certainly get get the benefit of some tuned up games, if you will, in, in the NBL. But you know, they keep proving it when, once they get to the state championship. And we pointed out, I think this was um, the 19th different opponent in, in 30 state finals. Um, you know, and so new teams keep presenting themselves, and one team keeps getting there. So, uh, <laughs> right. You know, league be damned. I mean, they're they're they just keep doing it. Yeah, no question. They've uh, they've proven themselves over and over and over again, and it's uh, it's fascinating to watch. You know, you sort of, as you said, a year when maybe everyone in Class S thought, all right, this is our this is our chance. Uh, Ansonia is maybe not going to be the the Ansonia we always know uh, know them to be. They uh, it ends up with uh, Ansonia lifting a championship trophy again. So it's uh, it's it's fascinating to watch and kind of see everybody kind of uh, take shots at them and uh, and see who can come away with a win. So Kyle, we. We appreciate the knowledge as always. Uh, take a take a load off, uh, get recover well, and uh, we'll have you back on for the voiceovers uh, once you're uh, healed up. Appreciate the help. Feel my people will fashion my contract. Perfect. That'll work just fine. Thanks, Kyle. We, it was a busy weekend for Fairfield County Schools at the football championship, which means one of the people we had to get on the horn was Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com. He was uh, stationed at West Haven over the weekend where uh, there were many FCAC uh, teams taking part in the football final. So, Dave, thanks, all, as always, for uh, coming on to offer some thoughts. Yeah, Joel, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Let's start off with uh, get kind of your perspective just on the games themselves before we uh, you know branch off into some more general topics. But starting off with uh, the one FCAC school actually that wasn't able to come away with a championship, but that was the Class M final, uh, Hillhouse taking on St. Joseph. What sort of stood out to you f- uh, in that game uh, that you kind of took away and from the performance of Hillhouse and of St. Joe's? I think it was really really surprising how much the game changed in the third quarter. The first half, St. Joseph was up 21-20. They gave up a long kickoff return, a long running play, but otherwise they they had done a pretty good defensively and they were able to move the ball and score. And I think especially because both teams punted after their first two possessions, the game changed that way, number one. They went from uh, nobody moving the ball to having 600 yards of offense. And I think we all thought we were going to see the same in the second half. Right. And to their credit, uh, Hillhouse just came out of the locker and boom, 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 just started throwing punches and uh, put St. Joseph on the ropes. And the running game was just too much for the cadets. And they only had 
I forget what the final total was, 20-something yards of total offense in the second half. So it really just, that third quarter, 22 straight points in nine-minute span just really changed the game around. Yeah, no, that's, uh, uh, it had a couple uh, a couple of games, uh, the Class S final as well, with Ansonia, you know, really kind of dominating the fourth quarter to take control of that one. He had a couple games that seemed like uh, things shifted very quickly in just a span of, uh, of 12 minutes. So on to the, uh, the Class Double L final, which featured a pair of uh, Fairfield County schools. Uh, Darianne able to get the best of Ridgefield, two teams that uh, did not play during the regular season as part of the, the FCAC schedule. But... Uh, what was sort of your, you know, the story from your perspective uh, on that game, and uh, you know, what was Darian able to do uh, so well to to help earn that uh, that second straight Class Double L championship? Uh, Darian was uncharacteristically a little sloppy with three turnovers, and everybody I spoke to after the game said it wasn't nerves; it was just mistakes. But the one area where I thought Darianne had a huge edge, actually two areas, where, where I've, and they've had a huge edge, both these areas the whole season, and that's the offensive and defensive lines. But in particular, I just thought Darianne's defensive line was going to give Ridgefield a lot of trouble, mm-hmm. and they finished with eight sacks. Quinn Fay had four of them. Quinn Fay had one of the best three-game postseasons about state tournament performances that I can remember. He, you know, I have to look up. I don't remember how many sacks he had in the first game, but he had at least seven sacks, and I don't know how many other quarterback pressures. And he just turned into Lawrence Taylor these past couple of weeks, just constant pressure. Yeah. Drew Fowler really, he was able to hit, and Richfield's got one of the most potent offenses in the state. And the state poll just came out minutes ago, and, and they finished third in the poll, which I was happy to see, so they got the respect. But Drew Fowler was able to hit a couple of big plays when he had time. The problem is he never had any time. Yeah. So the lines were really the big thing. And then the other thing is Darian just has so many good players. It's not really a team of superstars. Uh, Andrew Stuber, the, the two-way lineman, Um, most notably on the offensive line is going to Michigan is the biggest standout. Mm -hmm. But it's a team of 22 really, really good players. And it just seems like every game somebody else got their chance to shine and be in the spotlight. And on this particular day, it was Tim Hergett with two interceptions and two touchdowns, Uh, especially the first interception. Darian goes down and scores and takes a 7-0 lead on its first possession. Ridgefield's first play, Drew Fowler hits Chris Longo for 62 yards, and you think, okay, we got a shootout going. Right. And then two plays later, Herget gets the interception in the end zone, and the score stays at seven nothing until the final minute of, of the half. So, uh, Darian just everybody in Darian got upset because they only put four players on the first team All FCX team, mm-hmm. and I think people were missing the point. The strength of this team wasn't having a bunch of superstars or a few superstars. It was really just having a real, real strong team and chemistry and so many different players who could contribute. And like I said, again, it seemed like different players stepped up in different games. Yeah, no, in some ways that, that that's almost a compliment that, uh, you know, they were able to go uh, 13-0 and as it was with, uh, with you know, without having the, the uh, all-conference kind of uh, 
talent. So sort of looking at this, you know, from a big picture, you've uh, you've obviously covered the the FCAC for a long time and are very familiar with the, you know, the success of the league in, in a variety of sports, but really sort of a, a remarkable uh, string of success, particularly in football over the past, uh, you know, maybe two or three seasons. What, you know, if anything... What is different, maybe, that is sort of allowed? I mean, obviously, the you know these, as we said, these schools have had success in the past. That's not necessarily new, but it seems like it's reached a, a little bit of a different level the past couple of years. Do you see something that's different now, or is it just kind of uh, this is sort of the the streak that they're on, and uh, everybody's enjoying it while it's going on? I think part cyclical, part we're looking at something, and, and I'm laughing. I, I, I was sort of thinking about the wrap-up piece I'm going to write in the next day or so. Mm-hmm. And I already have my, my lead written for my preview for next year. Right. And, and we all laughed about, or not laughed about, but we wondered with Darian and Ukainen graduating so many players last year. And there were so many guys coming back this year, new, new players stepping into roles, and we didn't know their names. And so we were talking. We knew Ridgefield had a lot coming back. Uh, we knew Trumbull was going to be good. We knew Greenwich was going to be improved. Uh, we knew Trinity Catholic, we thought, was, was going to be a strong team. Mm-hmm. And so all our story angles were, is this going to be the, the year where Darian and Ukainen come back to the pack and somebody else steps up? And those youth programs uh, are just so good in the towns. And Darian and Ukainen are two schools. They're not teams. They're programs. They, yeah. They're so sophisticated all the way down to the youth levels where they have the youth programs running the same sort of systems that the high schools do. And, again, we're going to come in next year, and there are going to be a few more players returning than there were this year, but uh, there's still going to be a lot of new faces. And, and I already know my theme's going to be the theme song's going to be the, the who we won't get fooled again into thinking that uh, Darian and Ukainen are, are going to drop. So, that's one level of it is, is Darian and Ukraine and just really have self-perpetuating powers. And then the other is I just think some of it was cyclical. Ridgefield just had a terrific senior class this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether they'll sustain it or not, they've traditionally been a pretty strong program. But they just, especially the, the foursome that we always talk about in Drew Fowler, at quarterback, Shane Palmer, a, an unbelievable young running back, and Chris Longo and Colin Lowe at wide receivers, that, that probably was good in offensive foursome as any team had. Yeah. So that was cyclical. Uh, Trumbull, had a, Trumbull just missed out uh, because of losses to, to the teams that made the state playoffs. They had a really good senior time. I think uh, another strong class and, and the other program we want to keep an eye on is Greenwich. Yeah. Uh, John Marinelli now in his second season. He's been doing things at the high school level, but he's also coming from New Canaan and coming through a youth program that he grew up in and played in. He's trying to do the same thing at Greenwich, and I suspect that we're going to see the Cardinals become a consistent power over these next couple of years as well. So uh, part, again, Darian New Canaan being its own entity and then having a really strong senior class at a lot of different schools. Right. Curious, sort of, uh, this is going back a little bit to what you were saying, where it was sort of, you know, that everyone went into the season kind of saying, okay, you know, 
Darian and, and New Canaan, you know, had been in state championship games uh, the past few years, including facing each other a few times. Um, you know, and now it was maybe going to see which which new new teams would step into the fold. If I had asked you in the fall, uh, you know, before the season got started, which would have been more surprising to you that uh, New Canaan was able to you know earn another Class L championship, or that Darianne was able to uh, repeat in Double L and keep its uh, its undefeated uh, streak rolling along? That's a good question. Uh, I think I probably would say New Canaan only because a there were we we had no way of knowing that this defense was was going to come together. And all these new faces and new names were, were going to really bond and form this chemistry. Mm-hmm. And number two, they had a bigger question mark at quarterback. Everybody, Drew, Drew Pine came in highly touted as a freshman. And the guess was that New Canaan wanted him to win the job, but we didn't know what was going to happen with a freshman running that sophisticated a program yeah. and their first game of the year they really struggled against trinity catholic and came away with a 20 to 6 win but it was the, it was the defense that won the game so i would say only because we knew that darianne was going to be strong on both lines again because they had so many players returning i would say new canaan was probably a little bit more of a surprise only because there was a little bit more of an unknown yeah, well, it certainly uh, has been in a, just a remarkable run of success for, for both programs over the past few years, and uh, and we love uh, getting on the phone and talking with you about it, Dave. So thanks for uh, for ch- checking in with us. We're going to uh, reach out to a few more folks, but always love hearing uh, your perspective on uh, on Fairfield County and the Fairfield County uh, football programs and, and their success. So uh, enjoy a little well-deserved time off here before we dive into the winter season, and we'll, we'll check in, in with you again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good, Joel. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate it, and happy holidays. Same to you. The end of the high school football season in Connecticut uh, means that we have to get on the phone again with our good friend Ned Griffin of the New London Day. We kicked off the football season with uh, Ned's 2016 football road trip itinerary, and we're happy to uh, to check in with him after championship weekend. Mr. Griffin, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure to bring you on. Got to have you uh, weigh in on some of the things you saw as you were roaming about uh, on championship weekend. So we'll start with uh, where I know you started your day, Class S, uh, what turned out to be probably the most competitive uh, game of the day, and Sonia getting the better of Rocky Hill with a fourth-quarter comeback. What uh, what stood out to you in the in that Class S championship game, Ned? Uh, for, well, for three quarters, what stood out to me was how both teams pretty much for neutralizing the other one's offense. Uh, you know, until Ansonia finally got it going there in the third, uh, fourth quarter, and uh, the big play being a swift kick after Ansonia scored to cut their deficit to 14-12 that uh, Rocky Hill did not feel. Yeah. And it turned the game completely around, and it was a uh, 14-6 game to begin the quarter. All of a sudden, became a 22-point quarter for Ansonia. Uh, you know, Really, the first time all season, Antonia had been punched in the face at all by anyone. And the fourth quarter, their kids just absolutely stepped up at the right moment, uh, showed a little toughness there, and got going. And, uh, you know, one, one player that stood out to me that game and sort of surprised me was quarterback Bryson Cafaro. Yeah. Uh, so much of the offense for Antonia this year had run through Markel 
got their superstar running back. And, uh, you know, Kafaro at one point uh, had four straight carries that, you know, easily he took for double-digit uh, yardage that started to get Antonio's offense going. Yep. But then he was also the kicker on that swift kick. Yep. Yeah, no, certainly uh, he, he seemed to be, uh, you know, able to come up big uh, at the big moments. And uh, and that really, as you said, that fourth quarter and, and Ansonia just making a few more plays uh, than did Rocky Hill in that fourth quarter was what uh, really turned out to be the difference. And I know you uh, you got on the road and you made it down to West Haven in time for the uh, the Class Double L Championship and a chance to see uh, the FCAC battle between Darien and Ridgefield. What uh what stood out to you uh, from that game as the Blue Wave were able to earn the uh, second consecutive Class Double L championship? Darian's defense, <laughs> beginning and end. Yeah, uh, their front four was just absolutely magnificent. Uh, defensive tackles Justin Plank and Andrew Stuber, who are both very large boys, and uh, defensive end Court Fox and Colin Say just absolutely had. Quarterback Shane Palmer from Richfield running through his. I'm sorry, Drew Fowler. My bad. Shane nope. Palmer running back. Uh, <laughs> had Drew Fowler just running for his life the entire game. Uh, I was impressed that Fowler made it to the entire game with some of the shots he took. Yeah. Uh, you know, Darian finished with eight sacks in that game with Colin Fay in particular having four of them. Uh, they, I mean, nobody had really slowed down Richfield's offense at all this year. Uh, and they certainly had their way during the playoffs with uh, the 28-21 win over West Haven in the quarterfinals and the 44-41 win over Shelton in the semis. So to see them basically held to no points for almost the entire game until uh, you know, fourth late, part midway to the fourth quarter, <laughs> just a virtuoso performance by that defense. Yeah, no question. It, uh, I think, you know, you, you sort of looked on paper and were trying to figure out how that game might go down. I'm not sure anyone quite envisioned uh, the Darien defense being that dominant in, in slowing down that uh, that impressive Ridgefield offense. So uh, the the season ends and, uh, you know, the media polls and the coaches' polls all begin coming out, and it's uh, Darien after that second straight Class L championship and uh, the second straight undefeated season uh, for the Blue Wave who are kind of, you know, sitting on top of everything. Um, just curious, you know, I know you uh, – sort of watch a lot of film and, and try to keep tabs on everything, you know, just talking specifically on the field, and you hit on their defensive performance in the championship game, but I'm just kind of curious what you see as sort of, you know, the, what is it that Darian's doing and has been doing on the field over the past two years that has been, you know, been so made it so tough to beat them, uh, you know, whether it's offense, defense, what what has sort of been the, the key just to their on-field success, not talking about, you know, kind of all the off-the-field intangible, you know, program things. I'm just kind of curious what the sort of, from your perspective, has been driving the, the, the success on the field. Coaching, for one, uh, Rob Trafone and his staff are first rate. Uh, you're not going to find many better coaching staffs than that. Obviously, having good talent has helped. Sure. Uh, Andrew Stuber, their uh, defensive tackle, also is a offensive tackle in Michigan. Uh, Finlay Collins this year, their running back linebacker, really emerged as a go-to player offensively in the year. Uh, but the biggest thing for me just has been the defense the last two seasons. Last year, they were a nightmare to play because they had uh, Mark Ivanchek, their uh, 
record-setting defensive end who was almost impossible to block, uh, and then a defensive backfield that you just couldn't pass on. Yeah. Uh, this year, the defensive backfield was not at the same level, but that front four was vicious. Uh, uh, it, it really... I was already pretty impressed by the fact that Greenwich during a regular season was able to put up 35 points on him. Yeah. I was even more impressed <laughs> <laughs> after watching Darian uh, against absolutely choke out Richfield for such a long period of time. Uh, you know, Rob Stone's a defensive coach, and that unit fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, you sort of, uh, maybe it's, you know, we still fall into the trap of the offense and the uh, the quarterbacks and the running backs putting up big numbers, getting a lot of the headlines. But uh, you saw a lot of the teams that were able to win this weekend, uh, you know, being able to rest their, uh, you know, rest their hat on uh, on stout defense and certainly Darianne with uh, their long winning streak is, is foremost among that. Just kind of... Um, you know, big picture takeaways from the uh, from the season, Ned. What what sort of is your you know uh, your sort of big picture uh, thing that you're going to remember from the 2016 high school football season in Connecticut? Uh, it would probably be the fact that coaching cannot be underestimated at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Darian graduated their fair share of starters. New Canaan definitely graduated their share of, their uh, share of starters from. Uh, last year's Class L championship team, yep. and Ansonia especially. Uh, Tom Brockett had never had so little experience uh, from, you know, returning from one of his teams in his 11-year career, and all three programs come through with state titles. Uh, it's, you know, particularly Ansonia, I, I would not have expected them to win a state title this year. Yeah, uh, This is probably one of most gratifying ones for that coaching staff. Uh, you know, tremendous job by that coaching staff and those kids for playing up to that level uh, of Antonia excellence. And you know, again, for Darian and New Canaan just to keep rolling. You know, it's, it's almost like watching a college program. The way that it is year in and year out, just keep putting out you know championship level teams. Uh, it's, it's really remarkable. I mean. I had one coach over the weekend just wondering, you know, what are what are they doing that we're not doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's it's amazing to watch. Yeah, no, I'm sure there's uh, I'm sure there's more than one or two coaches all around the state who are sort of asking that uh, that same question. So we'll uh, we'll let you get out of here on this, and uh, I, I will warn everyone I have not prepped Ned at all for this. He just uh, he just rolls out of bed ready to talk high school football. So uh, just give you a you know a quick. Uh, maybe far too early preview of the 2017 high school football season. Obviously things can change, and uh, I know you haven't uh, been able to really dive into your research, and training camps next uh, fall will will certainly change your mind on things. But uh, what? just a quick guess at uh, or look at you know what we might be looking at for 2017, some of the teams uh, to keep an eye on as, uh, as the football fans have to, uh, have to wait quite a, quite a while now before we can get back to some football. Uh, one would be how how will New Canaan go out and win their fifth straight championship? Uh, that would be one. I'll mm-hmm. be curious to see how they reload. Although they do have quarterback Drew Pine coming back for his sophomore season. Uh, Ansonia, they've got a lot of they've got a fair share of experience coming back next year. They're going to be an absolute nightmare to play in uh, the Nogatuck Valley League in Class S. Uh, you know, how does 
Darien reload, uh, they're going to have some holes to fill, particularly on that defensive line. Uh, but somehow, I know that they'll find a way to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and then Massick. Massick was a very young team this year. They had a whole, they had started a lot of sophomores and juniors the year before, and they ended up going seven and three, and were one of only three teams to give Duquesne in the game all year. Yeah. Uh, going to be a team to watch out for next year, you know, right they keep everybody healthy. Very good, and we uh, we look forward to it, and uh, it's going to be a, a long winter and spring without the Lonesome Polecat blog on the uh, the New London Day to uh, to keep us entertained, but uh, we know it'll be back in the fall, and we look forward to it. Ned, thanks as always for uh, offering some insight and some perspective for us. We appreciate it. Thanks again, Joe. Thanks so much to all of those gentlemen for being with us this week. Uh, a lot of good conversation. I know there was a little bit of overlap in some of that uh, conversation, but uh, really wanted to just give these folks a chance to, to kind of offer their thoughts on what we saw this past weekend and what we saw this season. So appreciated all of them joining us. With that said, we appreciate you joining us as well. This was another edition of the CIC cast. As I said, very heavy on high school football this week. We will turn our attention to other things in the coming weeks. Not entirely sure when we'll be back with you. Uh, would like to get one more of these out before the end of December. Not sure if it'll be uh, Christmas week or um, the week in between Christmas and New Year's when we may get one out, but we'll hope to uh, to get a new one posted shortly. As always, you can check out CICsports.com for the uh, the latest uh, CIC cast. You can also subscribe. Do that on iTunes. That's fun. You can leave uh, ratings and comments there, too, which, uh, you know, if you say get rid of that stupid host, uh, he's the one dragging this thing down, which is probably true. Um so subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and uh, check out our Twitter feeds, at CIAC Sports. We will be updating uh, anything there as well. So we thank you uh, once again for joining us. Thanks once again to all of our guests, and we hope you will uh, join us again for another edition of the CIAC Cast. Until then, have a great holiday season, everyone. <laughs>